All right. With that, we're going to hand it over to uh, Anthony, Acts chapter 11. Can you guys hear me with this uh, microphone? Yes. All right. We're working on a new microphone system, so it's kind of weird. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, last week, Mr. Gabe taught on Acts chapter 10, which, if you remember, was uh, Peter's vision. And he went on to talk about the customs that the Jewish people had at the time and how they viewed Gentiles um, and what that vision meant for us. And it was really good teaching. Um, Thank you. And <laughs> if you remember correctly, Acts chapter 11 is kind of the same concept as Acts chapter 10. It's like a recap. So we're going to go ahead and read through um, Acts 11. Let's see, it says... Now the emissaries and brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. But when Peter went up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision took issue with him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So Peter began explaining to them point by point, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet coming down, being lowered from heaven by its four corners, and it came right to me. I looked inside, considering it carefully, and saw four-footed creatures of the earth, wild animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Certainly not, Lord, for never has anything unholy or unclean entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, What God has made clean you must not consider unholy. This happened three times, and then everything was pulled up to heaven. At that very moment, three men arrived at the house where we were, sent to me from Caesarea. The Ruach told me to go with them without hesitating. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon called Peter. He will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Ruach HaKodesh fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John immersed with water, but you will be immersed in the Ruach HaKodesh. Therefore, if God gave them the same gift as also to us after we put our trust in the Lord Messiah Yeshua, who is I to stand in God's way? When they heard this, they became quiet, and they glorified God, saying, Then even to the Gentiles God has granted repentance leading to life. So we're going to stop there for now. That's um, basically a recap of what happened in the last chapter. It's the exact same thing. You pretty much use that as your teaching. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk about the same thing that you can listen to on last week's uh, teaching. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, I have a couple questions for you guys. Number one is, uh, if the vision that Peter had wasn't about food, then did they still have to obey the dietary laws? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The second question is, how many laws did they have to obey? Anybody know a number? 613? Okay. They don't all, apply all right. So yeah, very good. So 613 commandments in the Torah. That's the kind of the number that the Jewish people agreed on. Kind of. There's a lot of disagreement about how many commandments are actually in the Torah because there's a lot of um, duplicates. You know, the book of Deuteronomy is a lot of um, repeating what uh, happened in the other books. So there's a lot of duplicates and some that um, People weren't sure if they were commandments or not, or they could be like one-time commandments. So they kind of agreed on this number around 613 commandments. 
And while it seems like a lot to try to follow that many, uh, it is a lot. But to put things into perspective, um, in the United States of America, the number of federal laws is somewhere about 45,000. And we all follow those, or you should at least. If you don't, then we have a problem. But, so 613 doesn't seem like that much compared to 45,000. Actually, they, um, they pass about 650-ish laws every year. So every single year, that's basically a new Torah that's coming out. But not all of those 45,000 laws in the United States, and not all of the 613 commandments in the Torah, apply to us. So, um, what I've gone and done is, I've gone through all 613 commandments in the Torah, and I've made, I've sorted them into two categories. Commandments that apply to me, specifically me, and commandments that don't apply to me. So, first of all, can anybody guess the number of how many that actually apply to me? 80? The first 10 commandments? Alright. So, the number that I got was 354 commandments applied to me out of 613. That's a little bit over half, so um, the way I figured these out, I made little subcategories, eight categories in total, and I split them into these. The categories are, um, of the commandments that don't apply to me, the reasons are because there's no temple, because I'm not a Levite, I'm not a judge, I'm unmarried, I'm not a female, I'm not a king, I'm not a parent, and I don't have a brother. So there's, if I had any of this stuff, more commandments would apply to me, or there's also more things that wouldn't apply to me if I was female, per se. Um, so you might be um, wondering what this egg on the board is over here, but believe it or not, this is actually a circle. And um, I'm going to be making a pie chart so you can get a little bit better of a reference to see how many commandments apply to me. So, uh, what do you, which one, one of those categories, temple, Levite, judge, unmarried, female, king, parent, and brother, which one of those do you think occupies the most for reasons that I don't have to follow those commandments? Levite? King? I heard a couple ones. Actually, it is surprisingly, overwhelmingly, the temple. Out of the 262 commandments that don't apply to me, 151 of them are because of the temple. So, let me see. I do this little pie chart on my board here, and this is what it looks like. Of all these commandments that don't apply to me, all of these are because of the temple. So it leaves a little bit less than half for the rest of them. So for instance, I'm not going to use the different colors, I'd find that all out, but 43 commandments belong to the Levite group. Because I'm not a Levite, there's only 43 in there. And then the next category is because I'm not a judge, there's about 38 commandments.
And the last ones actually are kind of surprising because um, there isn't a whole lot of commandments about these. Let me try to get a better color here. The next category is because I'm unmarried, only 10 commandments do not apply to me. <laughs> yeah, soon enough we'll have a, uh, 10 more. There's way more than 10, Anthony. So the next nine commandments don't apply to me because I'm not a female. Which is one of the most surprising ones. I thought there would be a bigger gap between the two. But there's only nine extra commandments that women have to follow than men. But I'm not exactly sure how that works the other way around. Um, if men have to follow um, more, but or if there's like some weird little gap there. There's Men might have to follow a little bit more, or many women aren't allowed to follow these certain ones. So uh, the next category is um, has to do with being a king. And there's only four commandments that, that don't apply to me because I'm not a king. Let me go for and the last two categories. I made this a little bit too big because I'm a, not a parent yet. I don't have to follow four of these. Oh, I guess this is the last one, but it's kind of big. <laughs> Three of these because I do not have a brother. I'm just going to write bro. So that's, um, that right there is all the commandments that I do not have to follow. The total number of those is 262. Kind of gives you a little bit of perspective about what the destruction of the temple did in terms of following commandments. So, out of all those commandments that I don't have to follow, 127 of those were what we call positive commandments, as in, you should do this. And 135 of those were negative commandments, as in, don't do this. Like, um, but just we have, we have this concept of positive and negative commandments, but just because it's negative does not mean that it is necessarily bad or, you know, um, restricting you from something. Like, for example, um, here's the list that I have of all the commandments that still apply to me. And I'm going to read you some of the negative commandments that are very good commandments. Uh, do not gossip about others. Don't take revenge. Don't bear a grudge. Don't pass your children through the fire to Molech. Leviticus 18.21 And do not perform acts of magic. That's Deuteronomy 18.10 There's so many of those that are really good negative commandments. Don't apply to you? No, these, are, these do apply to me. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You better be doing these ones. No. Um, a lot of the ones, if you read the list of the ones that don't apply to me, a lot of it is like, you know, instructions of how to do a certain sacrifice or what a priest cannot do or, you know, what you should and shouldn't do in the temple. Um, but a lot of these ones are standard 
um, commandments that everybody in America would think, like, yeah, you're supposed to follow those. Like, those, without a doubt, everybody would follow those. Um, but, uh, interestingly enough, a lot of these commandments, uh, they're so good, as I was going through these, they're so good and pure, that it really gives you a picture and shows you what, um, what God is really like. Um, for example, I, I highlighted some of these, um, some of these commandments that just really struck me because I, um, they're just really interesting. For example, do not cook an animal in its mother's milk. That doesn't, none of these really affect humans, per se, but he, he, since he cares about his creation, including the animals and the plants, he doesn't want us to do certain things to them. Do not slaughter an animal and its offspring on the same day, Leviticus 22, 28. Do not take the mother bird from her children, Deuteronomy 22, verse 6. Uh, let's see. Leave a corner of the field unharvested for the poor, so they may go over there and pick them and eat them. Even though that's an inconvenience to you, and you're not getting as much profit from that, he still cares about his creation that may not have the same resources as you do. Let's see, do not stand idly by if someone's life is in, is in danger. Do not allow pitfalls and obstacles to remain on your property. Deuteronomy 22.8. This one's interesting. Make a guardrail around flat roofs. So that's thinking ahead, yeah. If somebody is too rushed or lazy to not have scaffolding or some sort of guardrail around the roof, he doesn't want somebody to accidentally fall off of there and hurt themselves. That's just amazing how he thinks about these kind of things. Do not put a stumbling block before a blind man or give harmful advice to him. Help another to remove the load from a beast which can no longer carry it. Uh, pay wages on the day they were earned. Do not muzzle an ox while it is plowing for you. Do not demand collateral from a widow. Do not demand us collateral utensils needed for preparing food. So, there was one in here. Oh, do not curse any deaf person. That one's also really interesting because yeah. obviously they wouldn't be able to hear your curse, and that would—that's just kind of like the same as gossiping behind their back, basically. Um, Okay, this one was the one that I had, maybe I had heard it a couple times, but it was really interesting because it just gives you, yeah, that picture that um, God loves all his creation. I'm going to read this in the verse. It is Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 19. It says, uh, the commandment says, do not destroy fruit trees even during the siege. So when you lay siege to a city for a long time, making war against it to capture it. You are not to destroy its fruit trees by swinging an axe at them. For from them you may eat, so you shall not chop them down. For is the tree of the field human that you should enter the siege before you? That it should enter the siege before you? So he's protecting his creation from pointless destruction. It's really interesting. And uh, the last one that I highlighted here was, um, he who has taken a wife built a new home, or planted a vineyard, is given a year to rejoice with his possessions. So he's free from going to war or doing certain things like that, which is also something that just shows that God really wants to take care of us. But um, those are really good commandments. Like, so we should be following those, right? Yeah, because those are excellent. If you want to say, no, I want to take a mother bird from her children, then basically you're a terrible person. <laughs> Everybody agrees on that. So, um, if we agree with those, and some people say that 
all the commandments are done away with, then are the good ones done away with too? Do we throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say? It's a terrible saying, but... Um, there's some people out there that they follow this idea called the 50 commands of Christ, uh, which what it is, is they took um, Yeshua's teachings, they found all the commandments that he said to do, and they kind of compiled them together, made a list, and they removed the, the duplicates in the different books of the Gospels. And they got this list of about 50 different commandments. Um, let me read a couple of these. also printed these out. Let's see. He says, to repent, to follow him, to rejoice, to let our light shine before men, to be reconciled, not commit adultery, go the second mile, love your enemies, be perfect, all these different things. Um, all these things that he taught about, which these commandments are very good, and we should be following them, every single one of them. But there are a lot of holes in that belief um, that are kind of left out. And I think that's probably because uh, Yeshua, A, was only um, in ministry for around three years, correct? Or somewhere around there, and he didn't have a whole lot of time to explain every single detail to all of us. Um, so, but also, he expected the people at that time to know their Bible and to know what he was talking about. Because he often said, as it is written, but he wouldn't give them what book or what chapter it was um, in, because he already expected them to know exactly what was written. So, if you were just going to say, all right, well, that's all we have to follow, the 50 commands of Christ, then it kind of leaves this little gap in there. Because if he said the words, um, do not commit adultery, you're like, okay, good, I'm not going to do that. But does, he never said the words, for example, do not have sexual relations with an animal. So does that mean that bestiality is fine? No. I think, yeah, he expected the people to already know what adultery was. So if he tells us to repent from our sins, then how do we know what our sins are? Well, um, let's read a little bit of Romans chapter 7, verse 7 to be exact. Here Paul is saying, what shall we say then? Is the Torah sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the Torah. For I would not have known about coveting if the Torah had not said, You shall not covet. So he's saying it himself there. It seems like the Torah, God's word, is a tool used to measure sin. Go figure, right? This is one of the big reasons why we keep the Torah. Because Without the Torah, we wouldn't know what sin is. So, going back to the question that I had in the beginning, if Peter's vision wasn't about food, do we still have to keep the dietary laws? Well, I've heard people say that the vision meant uh, both salvation for the Gentiles and you get to eat whatever you want. They're kind of just wanting to do whatever they want to do. But what if, by chance, that it only meant one of those two things. What would you rather be? Would you choose to dwell with God for all of eternity, or would you want to get to eat whatever you want for about 90 years? Yeah, I would hope that you would say that. So, but honestly, you'd be surprised. I've heard a, a few people say, like, oh, wow, yeah, that walk of life is really cool, but I can never do it because I couldn't give up bacon. Uh -huh. And I was, yeesh. 
like, oh boy, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but um, uh, kind of close out here. Sorry, it's a bit of a shorter teaching, but um, I'm going to go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse, uh, verses 11 through 16, and hear what God has to say about his own word. For this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it far off. It is not in the heavens that you should say, Who will go up for us to the heavens and get it for us, and have us hear it so we may do it? Nor is it across the sea that you should say, Who will cross over for us to the other side of the sea and get it for us, and have us hear it so we may do it? No, the word is very near to you, in your mouth and in your heart, to do it. See, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil. What I am commanding you today is to love Adonai your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his mixed boat, statutes, and ordinances. Then you will live and multiply, and Adonai your God will bless you in the land you are going in to possess. So, there you have it. God himself says, this word, these commandments, are not too hard for you to follow. And if he says that, we better believe him. So, uh, go ahead and pray, and then I'll um, ask the questions if you guys have any. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this day. Thank you for this time that we can gather together and um, read your word together. I ask that you would please help us all to have a pure heart and be able to follow your commandments and to not think of them as burdensome, but to rejoice in following them. Thank you for giving your son Yeshua for us to show us and to guide us in following your, your law. I ask that we would cling to him and that we would follow him all the days of our lives. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Does anybody have any questions about... Yes, I'm sorry. First of all, I want to say a, th- a big thank you to you. This took a lot of time, a lot of effort on your part, a lot of work, and I want to thank you for your diligence. Thank you. Thank you. Very interesting talk. Very interesting. Now, um, here's my comment. Mm-hmm. When we got to that commandment about the fruit trees, yeah. what came to my mind is Israel has been conquered so many times by so many different civilizations that as a result, and unfortunately, they didn't know their Torah, so they did. That was one of the things they did was to try to starve people out by chopping down all the good trees. Mm -hmm. And so Israel always has these tree campaigns. And if you want to honor somebody, for example, you can plant a tree in their name or their memory or whatever in Israel. Why? Because they're still trying to play catch up with the amount of trees that they need. So, mm-hmm. yes, this is a very important commandment that you brought out. Mm-hmm. A lot of the commandments are uh, God gave us because there were other nations that did something terrible to Israel. And so he's telling them, don't do this as these people did to you. And that is just a very wonderful thing. Thank you. Does anybody else have any questions? Ms. Julia? Would say that to be perfect is an easy commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you could not eat something, but be really perfect. Yeah, that's true. That's okay. uh, two points about the trees is just interesting. I know your teaching wasn't really about trees, but it was, it was interesting because if you've ever been to Haiti and the Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. you can tell the difference in the two countries, even from satellite imagery oh, yeah. of these two nations and how much vegetation there is. Um, because you know, just in their poverty in Haiti, they've cut down so many trees and deforested yes. the you know the entire entire nation, and and um, 
they, they struggle with a lot more air pollution because they're creating so much charcoal with all these trees that they're cutting down. And the, the trees are not there to, you know, get rid of the air, purify the air basically. So I thought, just thought that was an interesting point. Um, but also, uh, forget my other point. <laughs> I blanked out on my, it'll come back to me. So go to somebody. Okay, first, first point, yeah. Yeah. maybe God had a reason for putting all those trees oh, here. Huh? I remember it now. Yeah. I always say where, there, where you find some of the most uh, fundamental denominations of Christianity, for instance, uh, like Pentecostal holiness is one. Um, it, you know, independent fundamental Baptist is another. Some of these people are very staunchly opposed to the idea of keeping the commandments or, you know, um, the, the law or something like that. But they're some of the most legalistic in terms of, yeah. you know, you can't play cards, you can't dance, you can't go see a movie, you can't drink alcohol, you can't smoke cigarettes, you can't have a beard, you can't have a long hair, you have to wear a coat and tie to any of the worship gatherings. They're very restrictive denominations that create a Torah for themselves in the absence of God's Torah. Exactly. And it is a completely man-made Torah. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting, I always say that where there is no God's Torah, there is man's Torah. Mm -hmm. And man's Torah is always unjust. Well, even so with, um, with modern day Judaism, mm -hmm. they've almost created a separate Torah yeah. than God's Torah. Of... So anywhere there are humans, there will always be a man's Torah. Oh yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate. But... Does anybody else have any comments or questions? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. 